Welcome to Communicate Like You Give a Damn, the podcast. Our guests share their stories and approaches to embedding diversity, equity, and inclusion in communications because, I mean, let's be honest, we know the power of language. And language leads to behavior. So thank you. Thank you for joining us in leveling up your communications. I'm your host, Kim Clark. And DEI communications, it's, it's kind of my thing. So let's get into it. Let's learn more about how to communicate like you give a damn. We are here with Ashley. Ashley, this is actually part two to our conversation. So I really encourage people, if you haven't listened to part one, please do listen to part one because she kind of left us with a cliffhanger there. And then, I, which made me say, I want, to get, I want more. And so here we are picking it up again. Ashley, um, just refresh everyone's memory. Like, give us a little bit of an introduction to you. And we'll, we're going to pick up where we left off. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm the empowerment lady. <laughs> and uh, I researched empowerment for eight years. I asked thousands of people what empowerment meant to them. And I overcame harassment, discrimination, and homelessness because I decided to empower all 10 of my top 10 differences that I have as a human, including my gender, including my educational background, having dropped out of high school, including my social economic class, having been homeless, um, and choosing to empower all of my differences is what led me to get hired as a part-time associate and then become the national vice president of diversity, equity, and inclusion in less than four years for the fifth largest bank in the United States, PNC Bank. Ah, impressive, impressive. Now you, you dropped in there this kind of time in your life where you said that you were homeless. Can you share with us a little bit about what that situation was and what that experience was like? Yeah, um, it was kind of um, interesting in the fact that mo most of the time when people are homeless, you're navigating you, I guess is the thing that most people think about. But really, uh, it was four mouths to feed. And, and then also shielding that from my kids were like, I was talking with my youngest because he came to watch me present at American Airlines last year. And um, he said, I didn't even know, when were we homeless? <laughs> I was like, well, uh, then I did my job. I shielded it from you. Um, and yeah, I mean, we would go to the dented can store and the soup kitchen and the events where we knew there were gonna be food and the church events that were giving out food. and. Um, and trying to defray costs. And then we were really fortunate in the fact that we were living in a house, a whole entire community that was decimated from people losing their house. Um, so we were squatting illegally as long as we could. And when we knew that somebody was coming, when we went out that night or we went somewhere else um, and then we came back. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, we were really purposeful to try to like hide hide that from my kids uh, to where they weren't necessarily exposed to that. And what did that do for you as far as moving towards becoming VP of PNC? Oh my God. Bank of I mean, it taught me to be super, yeah, it taught me to be super resourceful. 
Um, mm. Especially in the DEI space where most like 80% of the DEI people that are out there are doing DEI as one person and mm -hmm. we can't be all things to all people. And then a lot, a lot of the other percentage of people have either little budget or very little budget. So I can tell you that it taught me to be resourceful as heck and trying to find the ability to pay for things and um, and be able to make things work financially because at the end of the day, you, you, you have, you only get out of what you can get out of something. I, and, and also it helps give people a picture of like, you know, some of us are just a paycheck away. Yeah. You know, we're, we're so on the fringe of it all. And that's something that diversity, equity, and inclusion within the workplace is trying to solve for. It's one of the many things that it's trying to solve for is to get people in stronger financial positions so they don't have to go through that experience. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the difference in, in how people receive equity um, and how yeah. they measure it themselves. You know, a lot of my program, right. And so on, and I missed this in the introduction, but I run my own leadership company and we measure how empowered people are. And one of the questions we ask is how empowered you are for your social economic class. And are you empowered or disempowered? Where do you fit on a zero to 100 scale of your social economic class empowerment? And by asking people that, ultimately what we're doing is we're getting at the end of the day how they feel about their pay equity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you, you have the experience of feeling disempowered at one point and then now in an empowerment uh, place where you're running your own company, it's 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 really an incredible arc and an yeah. incredible story. Thank you. <laughs> so where we left off, which was the cliffhanger that you left me hanging with, is that you had mentioned that Coke doesn't sell the same taste around the world, that there's a nuance. And yeah. we need to be learning about this from a DEI messaging standpoint. So yes. tell me more about that. <laughs> what did that look like for you in practice? Um, so... Coke doesn't all, so Coca-Cola, right? Like literally doesn't sell Coke the same way anywhere in the world. Um, they not only market it differently and communicate it differently, but it even tastes differently depending upon where you go in the world. I know that I spend a lot of time in Asia and Coke tastes differently um, in Asia. It's marketed differently. Um, the bottles, cans look different. Um, and then if you, right, I know a lot of people, uh, probably U.S. driven focus uh, for DEI, you know, in, in that terminology, uh, a lot of people, like, I think um, you can buy Mexican Coke, right? Like literally it yeah. comes in the, mm -hmm. the glass bottle. It tastes completely different than the Coke that you would buy in the United States in the grocery store. Um, the Coke you get at McDonald's tastes differently than the Coke you get at Burger King. That's because the way that McDonald's invests in refrigeration units for the lines of the of the syrup that goes into the Coke. Jeez. So, I never okay. paid attention like that. That's amazing. So, okay. <laughs> I mean, I went to <laughs> McDonald's University, so I know. Okay, <laughs> uh, it's very different. So, you you have this right. So, why is it that a brand like Coca Cola is so globally? recognized right and people across the world understand and know and relate that product why is it that they can get this concept of globalization 
and marketing and product development. And yet here in, in, in relation to diversity, equity, and inclusion, we don't get it yet. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that's so frustrating to me because we think that we could just say diversity, equity, and inclusion and reach everybody. We are sorely mistaken. Mm -hmm. We should be thinking about it from a Coca-Cola lens in marketing and even making it taste different, right? Now, maybe the taste part might be different, right? That would be for us that learned behavior or the knowledge that's gained. That's what you gain from that that uh, delivery of the product, right? The product is diversity, equity, and inclusion. How are you going to market that to make it palatable for everybody when we are all so different? This is literally why my company is called Empowering Differences. (laughs) Because empowerment is important to every single person on the planet. And if they mm-hmm. tell you no, then they just don't really understand what empowerment is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then everybody on the planet has the differences that, that we measure. So because no two people are inherently alike either. So from a standpoint of marketing diversity, equity, and inclusion, you have the opportunity to think about this differently. And so that means you need to look at it the way in which you're branding it and marketing it and communicating it and thinking completely different. Mm. Great point. It really is, is a great point. And, and to be thinking of it as, as with the level of investment, because where that the research is done, the measurement is there, the ROI is calculated and forecasted, DEI is no different. We just have yeah. to do it. So I have a really great story on this topic. Of, okay. uh, so I'm sure that some of your listeners have heard of this before, but have you ever had it to where you've stripped away information from hiring someone? That identifying mm-hmm. information, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't put their name. So if it says whatever their name is, right? If it's a name that someone can't, pronounce in America, there's a good chance that that person could face some unconscious bias, right? Yes, right. We agree on that. Okay. So if you remove the name and then you remove where they went to school, right? Because sometimes that could also identify who this person is, right? If it's, they went to a historically black college and university or you name it, any other identifying type of school that would identify what community they're from. So we strip away the school name, we strip away the name, and and then you know we we hand then their then their resume is reviewed, right? This is, this is a practice that people have been trying to work on developing more. Uh, well, what about doing that for diversity, equity, and inclusion programming? Right. Uh, I, I know personally for me. I removed, I, I got, I, we, we do an event, right? We do an event for history and heritage month. This is, this is what ends up happening, right? They, a company says, Hey, let's do pride month and let's bring in a speaker for pride month. You know, we're going to celebrate pride with Ashley T. Brundage. We're going to celebrate pride with empowerment. And don't get me wrong. I'm really glad that we're doing that because, and it helps fund my business venture to grow my company and, 
and build the empowerment assessment tool that I've been building version two of. And we so can help more people. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Right. But at the end of the day, I mean, pride is every day. Um, LGBTQ people are operating every day. And, and we, we know all that. So, you know, we have this thing where we build a communication flyer. Ashley's coming to X, XXO company and, and there I am, I'm showing up. And so here's the flyer, you know, it's empower your pride, it's pride month. We're going to put a rainbow on the flyer. My photo is going to be there. It's going to talk about, um, you know, maybe some of my credentials and, and, and then there's going to be the employee resource group logo, right? This communication platform is going to have all of this information, right? Mm-hmm. Date, the time, the who, the where, the when, the why, all of that is going to be on the flyer. Um, but at the end of the day, right, how is someone who is not plugged into the LGBT network going to want to come to this? Mm-hmm. Are we yeah. communicating this message to all people in the organization? Is it landing for everyone? Or are we making it super easy to opt out? Right, right. I mean, literally, we're laying the foundation for an opt out, Mm -hmm. right? Because I don't want to be there. That I'm not going to, I don't want to listen to the, to transgender person, random transgender person you're bringing in to talk, to talk to the organization. This is and why it's, I it's always not for me. It's for them, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is why I always try to tell organizations at the end of the day, you have an opportunity to bring in someone like me, not in that context. Think about the communication of what you could do. You actually could create a flyer that would say our monthly lessons in leadership or our monthly leadership dialogue session. Because leadership is the word that transcends all differences in organizations. This is why I rebranded my company from me being the DEI speaker to me being the leadership and empowerment expert. I wanted to be in that space because I felt that that's where I could could do more systemic impact. Mm -hmm. And people who show up to talk, you know, people who are going to show up to attend a pride event where I'm speaking at, think about who that audience is going to be. It's going to be the marginalized community. So the pride group is going to be there, right? The allies of the, of the pride group are going to be there. The executive to say hello and goodbye. And then that's about going to be 97, 98% of the people that are there. You're going to get a, maybe a two or 3% clip of people who are there for like five different reasons. And most of the time, the reasons that they're there are pretty disingenuous. They're there because somebody told them they mandatorily had to be there. Somebody brought them as a guest. They're there specifically for the food or the trinket that they're going to get. They're there because they came by accident. And then my favorite, they're there because they want to meet the executive and show the executive that their name was on the Zoom meeting. And they're getting FaceTime and they're getting that credit to say they're checking the box to say that they were there. That's not going to be an event that really does steep systemic change. This is why it's so important to communicate your event 
in a framework that's going to reach everybody. And sometimes that means that you might have to make two flyers for this event and market it differently, just the same way that Coke markets this differently. Mm-hmm. So instead of the flyer that has my picture, maybe you make another flyer that says, join us for our leadership, monthly leadership discussion. where And you put the president, chairman, and executive officer's picture on the flyer. Because most of the time, that's going to be a white cis straight male guy. And have his picture be on the flyer and have it be join the, because that's the person that's going to give the opening remarks. So you're not misrepresenting the event. And have that be the person on the fly. Yeah. And then you can add Create other stuff and yeah. strip away the identifying information about who I am and the ERG logos. Strip all that stuff away. Make two flyers. <laughs> all right. It's really, you know, and I've had several calls as of late for all the pride talks that I'm, I'm doing in June as well. And it's, you know, um, one client was like, we just started a month and a half ago with our pride group, you know, what, because I was asking them, what are your communication objectives for this, you know, session, et cetera. And one of the things I said was, and they said, what, what do you, what do you think we should be doing? And nice, you know, as a startup kind of employee resource group. And I said, well, it starts with what problem are you solving? Why did you start the group? If it's to bring the community together because there's nowhere else to go and they need a safe haven, you need a support group because it's freaking scary out there if you're LGBTQ plus right now. And we're going to get to talking about Florida because that's where you're based. Um, and, you know, so it's like, okay, that has its own purpose. And, and there's a way that I would approach that session. Uh, do we want actually to make the workplace more safe? If so, then I'm going to be talking to the allies. And I'm going to be talking about what our experience is like. And if you want me to re- help recruit because you're a brand new employee resource group, I can do that as well. Recruit as far as um, inviting people to participate in an employee resource group to learn more, get involved, get engaged, you know, to the issues that are facing this, this population. So they're different to your point. Those, those are different purposes and different problems that we're solving for that require targeted messaging with, with unique calls to action. Now you had mentioned in our last conversation that when you were at PNC, you had a DEI communications person that was basically part of your team or assigned to you as this VP, uh, your, your role as VP of, of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I would assume that these are the kind of conversations with, with, with the marketing of the events, et cetera, that you had these kind of conversations with this diversity, equity, and inclusion communications person so can you talk a little bit more about what that partnership, that relationship was like and what you really needed from that person in order to further your efforts and tell the story around DEI at PNC? Yeah. Um, so the comms person on the team is the one that would produce the annual report or at least our portion towards the annual report at the time. Um, they would manage the website um, because we had an internal website and then we also had an external website. Um, the bulk of what they would do though, um, a lot of times was managing our relationship with corporate communications. Okay. Because corporate communications had someone just had someone designated for HR. Mm-hmm. 
and their HR person, in essence, is the one that was managing all of HR comms. Well, when 2020 happened, uh, let's just say that our our comms became comms for the entire company. Yes. Um, yes. And, I can see that. and obviously that coincided both with COVID, but also with the murder of George Floyd uh, being center point amongst things that were discussed on the internet for the company. Um, so what this role really was designed to kind of manage the website, comms, communications, printing, you know, materials, that kind of stuff. Um, then it became more about being the middle point between the corporate communications person and then the team. But what I saw was that I needed to have more of a direct connection with the corporate communications person because it, there was a, you know, the more people you have in between and on communication, when you're trying to literally paint the communication for someone, it becomes a little bit harder. And so I found it to be a little bit, it may, you know, in some ways it made the job harder having that dedicated person that was the middle person between the two conversations. Uh, so at times I started having side dialogue sessions with the HR um, comms person. Uh, and then this even got more complicated when we left HR <laughs> um, yeah, and we became not a part of HR anymore. And we went into our own business units and then we got our own business unit comms person um, for corporate responsibility, which was mm -hmm. a collection of three different business units in the company. So that then changed the direct communication message drastically as well and, and, and required a lot of changes around because now, you know, it was like, it's always about It's about competing for, for um, real estate on the internet. That's mm -hmm. honestly what not ninety percent of the conversation was about. Um, trying to get your information on the internet for the company. Yeah, because that is is real estate that's incredibly valued by all the lines of business, and it's about trying to kind of juggle all the balls and the hats for the communication sense. You know, things that people don't even think about are happening. It's like an argument as to who ends up on the internet and a company, mm -hmm. it's, it, but mm -hmm. it's real. Yeah, yeah. That was my world when I was running internal communications for uh, uh, when I was in-house. Yes, yes. It was a constant yeah. negotiation. But a lot of DEI people don't know that or see that side of it. Yeah, which I can understand. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, with... We're recording this the day after Ron DeSantis announced his presidential uh, run. And so in preparation for the next cycle of presidential elections that are going to be starting next year, but the campaigns have already started, um, we have the... <laughs> We, uh, for those who can't see right now, Ashley is doing breathing techniques. <laughs> and that's essentially where I want to go with this next question is we as DEI communicators have got to get our planning ahead uh, around civic responsibility. What is our messaging going to be? What is that conversation that we need to have with our leaders? Of course, I would love to see everybody use the depth model from our book, The Conscious Communicator, as that guiding framework. 
but applying your empowering differences as well, there's differences with politics and ideologies that are playing out within uh, workspaces right now. And so how as DEI communicators, do we get ahead of this in preparing our workspaces and leading the narrative rather than constantly being on the knee-jerk back-end side of, of triage and collateral damage uh, that we're trying to control like we've done in the past? Oh, gosh. <laughs> this is deep. <laughs> um, Piece of I cake. Think, yeah, well, I mean, I think breathing exercises are important in this space whenever you're thinking about politics because to think that it doesn't exist in the workplace is BS. Um, I remember um, being the DEI person in November of 2016, and everyone was thinking we were finally going to break that freaking glass ceiling, and a woman was going to be the president. And instead, we got a reality shock star who, you know, <laughs> um, there was that. Um, and all of that happened, and people were shocked. People were surprised. Um, and... Uh, I mean, and some people were happy. Some people were upset. This goes back to like, so my model is on measuring how empowered or disempowered people are, but it's also about understanding that authority and power connected to people is actual true empowerment. And the people side is simple. You know who you are. There are 8 billion of you on the planet. We got that. We can't argue that. Okay. Um, the power side also can't be argued because the power items are all the tangible business metric items that you have. You have your report, right? You have your shareholder return on investment. You have how much time, how much money is paid out, right? All that stuff is never argued. They're factual data that's audited financials. Okay, so we got power, we got people, the authority, on the other hand, is where everyone li emotionally lives in this space. I've asked thousands of people about their authority, and I can tell you I've gotten thousands of answers, and they're always all different. But the only thing that they all have in common is that they're very hard to measure and very hard to judge. And people in this space always change every single second that something happens to them their authority level changes. When the Supreme Court of the United States of America makes a decision, it either increases someone's authority or lowers someone's authority. No one actually really ever stays the same. This is the same reason why trying to acquire work-life balance is a wasted effort for organizations. If you are trying to acquire work-life balance in this space, literally through what you, how you want to have emotional time for what you do, but you want to have time then you're also wasting your time because the teeter-totter moves. You move something from one side, then it goes like that. And it goes like that when you put something else on it. So that's literally the same case in relation to how our authority goes. The election's going to happen. People are going to get elected. That's going to happen. You already know this is going to happen. And when it happens, it's up to you to be ready to enact whatever the plan is, regardless. And it needs to make sure that you value all people's emotions because they exist. There's going to be people who love one potential candidate and people who hate that same candidate. 
And knowing that that's going to happen, it's going to affect your employees. So if you think political differences don't count in the workplace, you're sorely mistaken. You need to have a plan associated to farming out how people feel about this and be understanding that they are going to be on one end of the spectrum or the other. And you do that by measuring how empowered people are. That's the secret. If you measure how empowered people are, you're able to know exactly what how they're being impacted, and then you'll know what actions you should provide for them to do. Big news, friends! We have found a way to duplicate the content we share. Now it'll be available everywhere all at once. You can now pre-order the DEI Communications Blueprint. <sighs> This is a three-level on-demand video course. It's 21 of the most popular topics I talk about in workshops and training sessions with clients all over the world. And by taking this video course, you will be able to apply a DEI lens to your communications, develop DEI communication strategies, gain confidence, and shift DEI messages to center outcomes, not activities and outputs. Plus, we threw in some more bonuses for those who pre-order ahead of our fall launch. So go to deicommunicationsblueprint.com. That is deicommunicationsblueprint.com to get started. Thank you for that. I think so many people, they don't have a plan. They they put together like everyone has this, the you know, civic duty, or we're going to give you the day off, and we're signing this pledge that it's going to be a you know employee holiday, but that doesn't that's not equitable for everybody, of course, and it, but it stops there, and then they get surprised like it after the 2016 election, for example, where I was working in house, we had reports of some areas of the business where people were walking in with the red MAGA hats, and fights would ensue, and and I felt like. We, we needed to be ahead of this. We needed to foster some sort of an environment around intentionally designing our culture to allow these differences and to be within the values of the company. And so I really appreciate you giving this like clear plan. So everyone like get Ashley's book, Empowering Differences and start the work. This is the time to start planning for something that is going to that is going to further divide if we don't plan ahead to heal that sense of separation between now and then. It will it will create more more damage that we would have yeah. to control, more collateral damage of our employees, harming our employees, uh, not just a physical way, but also in a in, in a in a vocal and emotional way. And so, getting ahead of that and setting the tone for what your culture stands for and what you're about and taking Ashley's advice. Now, yeah. Ashley, you were born and raised in Florida. You're close to what's going on in Florida. <laughs> and so I would love to hear what I'm, and I'm outside of Florida. I'm in California. And I would like to know, like, what can we do if we're, what's going on in Florida? First of all, you can kind of give us the inside scoop and then what can we do if we are in Florida or if some of our and our listeners outside of Florida, what can we do to help to help? Well, I, I think it stems from back remembering that empowerment is apolitical in nature. Understanding that empowerment is apolitical in nature. Everybody wants it. Everybody will accept empowerment. 
Um, and if you lead with empowerment, then you can overcome any difference that people have, even political differences. There's a reason that in the span of six months uh, last year, I consulted for the Joe Biden White House and I won an award from the governor of Florida. Um, it's because I work to make empowerment a political. So you can do that. Chapter eight in my book is the political dives into political differences and provides chapter lots eight, of you said? Things. Chapter yeah, eight? Yeah, okay. yeah, chapter eight in my book talks about political differences because it's important. It's important yeah. to know that if you're empowering people, that's apolitical. That's not, it's not, it's not politics at all. Um, so if you're thinking about what you can do to help people um, who might be marginalized because i think that that's maybe what you were getting at um and and if you're being marginalized potentially and you're part of a social identity group that's happening whatever you do don't move because that's literally what they want you to do <laughs> they're yeah. literally trying to force you to do for population migration um someone is creating a bill to to in essence enact scare tactics Okay, but most of the people who would be affected from a, from a bill like that will probably live in a city that already has an ordinance that protects you, or they have someone that's saying that they're going to look stand up for you. And, but you could do that as well if you're an ally and you're listening and you're thinking, what can I do to help people? You know, stand up and write write the congressperson, write your senator, write as many people as you can. Um, and, Right, the ones that aren't yours, because the more messages they get surrounding these topics and these bills, the more they'll realize that maybe they should have a dialogue about it and learn. Because I could literally break down every single one of the main myths that exist about transgender, non-binary, and gender non-conforming people pretty easily, potentially, if somebody wanted me to. If they just gave me five minutes to talk, to talk about it, I could tell them that if it goes back to being about... The, the right of, of we, the people, we, the people, okay? That doesn't say we, the people, the only certain people. It's we, the people, as in everybody. And it's individualistic rights that is what built our nation. Having the ability to have freedom from oppression, having the ability to have freedom of the ability to make decisions and have not government interference upon how you live your life where you go and how you use the restroom and what sports you play. All of those things are about political things that can drive people to have interference. It's not about that. It's about freedom of being the people. That's what it is. We all will agree on that. It's we the people. Like literally that's an easy construct that works across all political natures. Sometimes it's just the nature of the fact that maybe somebody who might have a political difference in you might not understand your Point of view. So it's about communication of the point of view. I think that, that we have to do a better job of painting that narrative and communicating it. A thousand percent. You know, I, the, earlier this week, I did a, an in-person presentation in front of uh, a, a fraction of the defense industry, Department of Defense. And I, you know, they opened up the entire conference, this day-long conference, doing the Pledge of Allegiance. And so I basically, when I started my presentation, I said, what are the last five words of the Pledge of Allegiance? Liberty and justice for all. And I said, do you mean that? Because that's the promise of America, you know, and you were talking about the we, the people. And it's like, so liberty and justice for all. 
that has to play out through and through. That's what we say. So that's what we must do. And as communicators, we understand this, but we're also really wrestling with that say, do gap which we're seeing because the time that we're recording this, Target is, is getting targeted for the backlash of pulling back Pride merchandise, et cetera, Bud Light backing up, um, Miller Light leaning in. You know, there's, there's, <laughs> there's all kinds of different, you know, shifts and changes going on right now. But we're really struggling with, like, we stand in solidarity with the LGBTQ plus um, uh, community and yet we're not able to withstand pressure and backlash within our stores, et cetera. So that was my newsletter topic today. Actually, we say that we can stand, but we're not able to withstand. I'm going to wrap up our conversation here, Ashley, with what your guidance and advice would be for folks on ensuring that pride is not performative. And if you don't mind speaking specifically on ways that we can provide protections and messaging for protections around transgender rights and rights to exist, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, I think that the thing I was just mentioning is probably the biggest thing that you can do is to research to break down some of these myths that exist. Um, the biggest thing here is that there are, are laws that already exist on the books in all, every single municipality in the United States alone um, that already protect people from common decency and indecency and any other thing in relation to that. Like if somebody's going to um, expose themselves, um, then that's going to be illegal. <laughs> I mean, we don't need an additional bill or piece of legislation that's going to protect people further from that because that's already illegal. Um mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people don't even realize that some of these things doesn't make a, that they don't make a lot of sense. Um, and it goes back to like parents' right to choose. Parents should have the opportunity to choose what they do and how they raise their children. Government shouldn't have any interference over that. I think that that's a big thing also. Like, you know, if I wanted to take my kids to Drag Queen Story Hour, that should be my choice as a parent. If I want to take my kids to Drag Queen, drag queen Story Hour. Of course, if I show up and the drag queen is dressed lewd and lascivious, then that's illegal <laughs> already, regardless of whether there's an ordinance. Um, and, and and then if I choose to take my kids to Hooters and take them to Hooters where the waitresses or wait, wait staff is, is sexualized in nature, then so be it. And then I've chosen to take my two boys to straightify them. Um, so I've done that. And I have done that as a parent. And I've taken them to the Pride Parade also um, and exposed them to the Pride Parade. And then it's their choice. It's their choice to meet people who are different because we are all people. This goes back to this thing. We really have to make sure that we help people understand that what's going on here is wrong. There's already, there's already bills and laws on the books that protect people from every potential wrong thing that happens. In fact, we should probably focus a little bit more on the clergy officials and the legislative people who've been arrested for lewd and lascivious acts, which is a heck of a lot more than transgender people who've been arrested. Thank you. 
Thank you. It's incredibly important. You know, uh, one of the things that I always share with clients are these three C's. It's a very basic formula of, of cultural moments. And, and that is first celebrate. Yes. Thank you for the visibility. Appreciate it. But you can't stop there. But that's where companies, they want to have the goodwill. They want to, you know, store up the goodwill, score some points, and they stop at celebrate. They don't go to the part of the crisis of the community of why we have pride in the first place and what is impacting the community that we're celebrating right here, right now. So there are people who are afraid of going out to pride parades because of their own safety uh, and where we are right now. Um, so while we want to celebrate, can we celebrate, you know, safely? Uh, so talking about that crisis kind of a situation, there's so many, there's what, 550 bills anti-LGBTQ plus bills across uh, the country right now. And then the last is the consistency. Don't only talk about LGBTQ plus folks just in June, or if you're in the UK in October, right? And uh, I, you know, there's various places that, that, that celebrate at different times, but companies tend to, in the US, uh, focus on, on June. And so this, this idea of like, yes, there's the celebration, but there's these other things that's where you make that shift from being performative to meaningful yeah. and having impact and really not just standing as the target CEO said for the LGBTQ plus community, but you're withstanding any kind of pressure to not stand with the LGBTQ plus. And so you got you to put your, put your actions where, you're, where your mouth is. And we as yeah. communicators can really drive that conversation because visibility drives accountability. Any final thoughts, Ashley? And then where can people find you and find your book? Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, just, uh, I mean, thank, thank you for having these kinds of good dialogues. They're so important to helping people realize the actual impacts of their work and how to communicate it. I think that's really mm -hmm. important. I mean, the communication always really matters. I mean, that's what makes the difference so much. And I call it inspire in my framework. Um, is how we address communication um, by inspiring people. Um, and because obviously comms is not necessarily always a sexy word. <laughs> so that's right. why we call it inspire in my framework. Um, so that's how we drive in inspiration and empowerment for people is, is through inspire as an empowering action. It's one of the 10 actions in my framework. Um, but yeah, you can connect with me at Ashley T. Brundage, A-S-H-L-E-Y-T-B-R-U-N-D-A-G-E. Uh, you can find me pretty easily. When you Google my name, you'll see I have like the first 30 pages of Google. <laughs> yes, article. I saw that. Yes. <laughs> um, every single one is me. Um, and, and then uh, you can connect with my book, Empowering Differences, my leadership course, Empowering Differences, my workbook, Empowering Differences, um, at EmpoweringDifferences.com. <laughs> That's your one-stop shop for all things empowerment and uh, where we can all leverage all of our differences to impact change. And that's where people can do a self-assessment for free. Is that right? Yeah. So they can download the self-assessment tied to step one in the empowerment journey. Um, if they want to engage with the digital empowerment assessment to get their personalized empowerment report, that's actually part of my curriculum. So they have to be involved in the curriculum for that. But for the okay. first, the first step is, uh, yeah, they just click the self-assessment tab. Sweet. Excellent. Ashley, thank you. 
It's not going to be our last time together. I know it. We're going to continue to grow and help as many people as we can to get them through probably the most recent history, uh, the most turbulent times, at least of my generation being Gen X. So thank you for what you're doing in Florida. We want you and everybody uh, within the community safe. And we're going to do all that we can to make sure that that happens. Uh, thank you for your time. Okay, so what popped out to you from this conversation? And I mean, it may take a minute to process, but be sure not to brush off what you just heard. Look, you just need a partner to be with you through this experience and understand what to do next. So I'm inviting you to set up a one-on-one strategy session. All you need to do is go to communicate like you give a damn the podcast.com and you'll see the button there. The more conscious communicators in the world, the better the world. So thank you for listening. And until next time, let's communicate like we give a damn.